Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. And we had a weekend of football. We were excited on Friday when we previewed all these games. It lived up to the expectations. Specifically, I could have just watched the Niners-Saints game and been satiated for the whole weekend because, man, oh, man, it was phenomenal. There was a lot of good football happening this weekend. So we're going to get into all of this weekend's action. We're going to preview Monday night football. We're going to talk about all the injuries that happened because, unfortunately, quite a few big names that are not going to be a part of your postseason roster for the fantasy playoffs. So we're going to start things off walking through all these games from the weekend. And the first game we're going to talk about here is Sunday night football. That's the LA Rams take care of business against the Seattle Seahawks. And I have some stats here. So are they back, right? So since the since they just got absolutely dismantled, right, against, against the Ravens in Week 12, the LA Rams have combined to beat, obviously, two divisional foes by the score of 62-19 to 19 and outgained them 1,004 yards to 506 in the process. The big thing now, obviously, too, is that Todd Gurley, 24 touches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Something that we talked about at the beginning of the year was, is Sean McVay going to limit Todd Gurley and set him free towards the end of the season? Because we saw what that team looked like in the postseason last year without a fully healthy Todd Gurley. And it looks like he's coming on strong right when it matters. So, Jamie, what are your takeaways from this from a football and obviously a fantasy perspective? Here's what I think about the Todd Gurley situation. This was a weird week to make that point. I think if if Sean McVay doesn't come out and make the comment, uh, I guess they respond to the question about using Todd Gurley more and saying, yeah, I'd be dumb if I didn't, or some some effect of that, that this wouldn't be a story. Todd Gurley looked fine. Todd Gurley did not look as good as everybody in the world thinks Todd Gurley looked last night. I was very surprised to see the reaction on social media. He was fine. This was no, by nowhere near his best game of the season. Box score scouting, as as somebody put it on so as, as somebody put it on social media, just an over like good numbers. Obviously, you, you, like, you like the volume. You yes. like the twenty three touches, and, I, and that part is noteworthy. But it, it, he's had other games this year where he's had similar, if not more, success. So this was like a weird week that. I think it fit into the narrative that came out because of the Sean McVay comments. But, I mean, I know he ended up throwing two picks in this game, one a little bit later. But they're playing better because Jared Goff has been playing a little bit better. Not great. Not where they expected him. Not what they're paying him to play. But playing a little bit better. He does take advantage of bad secondaries or at least below average secondaries. As I broke down on the show on Friday, he did that again here. And they had a lot of success. Robert Woods is starting to be a bigger piece of the offense. Tyler Higby's having a lot of success in, in replacing Gerald, Gerald Everett. But so that to me is the bigger story here. And, you know, I think we all, I mean, Jake and I know both picked the Rams to win this game close. We expected a little bit more from Seattle, maybe, but we expected the Rams to win this game. You know, I just don't, I don't think that I'm rating Todd Gurley any higher fantasy wise for the next two weeks of the season than I would have normally. I just feel like this is a narrative driven conversation at this point. Yeah, I don't think we can talk about this game without talking about the two offensive line rookies that they've put in the last five or six weeks that have really solidified things. Uh, They've made a concerted effort to run the ball, to play action, to get Goff a little bit deeper away from the line of scrimmage. Go back to what they did last year. It's not like they're doing anything more creative than than we've seen. 
Sean McVay really went back to what worked last year. The offensive line has played together for five or six weeks in a row with those two rookies. They're bigger, different center, and it's allowed Goff more time. If Goff has time, he will kill you. Gurley's been better. He's getting more carries. And then you go back to what I said on Friday's show, fourth most sacks per game, 4.2, since trading for Jalen Ramsey. They're getting after the quarterback. They're allowing a little bit more time in the back end with better coverage. They're getting after the quarterback. It's turning into wins, and they're looking really good right now. They look really strong. Yeah, they made Russell Wilson really uncomfortable last night. They were in his face a lot and getting a lot of pressure, and that's obviously opening things up. You saw Aaron Donald was, at one point, I saw a screenshot on social media of four offensive linemen focusing their energy to Aaron Donald, and it's obviously opening things up in the addition of Jalen Ramsey. So I just, the more so is the the headline on NFL.com is the Rams are back. Right. And I don't beating the Cardinals, right. The way that they did not really that impressive to me. Right. Like they beat them, but it, it like, I'm sorry, but it was not still an NFL team. They had like 450 yards at halftime. For sure. it was, and they were coming out of a bye. For sure. This obviously, this is a very good win for them. But to say the Rams are back when we know that they're looking up in the division at two other teams that they're not going to catch, like I don't know if I'm really ready to say the Rams are back. They're back in the race. They're yes. not back to be Super Bowl contenders. Thank but you. they're back in the race. They're one game back of Minnesota. They have an interesting path. They go to, I believe they're in Dallas next week. I know they play Dallas, but I'm not sure where that game is. And they play San Francisco. They play Arizona. That's their three games to end the year. Not an easy schedule. I mean, no. you can easily go one and two down that stretch there, and then all this is for naught. But – and they still have the game back in Minnesota. Who's so? We'll they got two. They, they got two road games. They're going at the Cowboys and they're going at San Francisco. Yeah. I'm not picking. Next, I'm not two weeks. Yeah, I'm not picking them to go to San Francisco and win a football game. Not as not after what I just saw from San no, Francisco. No, I'm picking them to beat Dallas and Arizona though. They yeah. could. They could, but that might not and be then, enough. That might not be enough. So we'll and see. what did New Orleans put on tape against San Francisco's defense with 500 yards or whatever they had? They might. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we break that game down. It was a hell of a lot of fun to watch, but it wasn't the same San Francisco team that we've been seeing for 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Drew Brees in that offense over there versus uh, a road game in San Francisco. It's We'll see. There's a lot a lot of football left to be played. they got to win a game in Dallas first, which Dallas doesn't look great. Uh, for <laughs> We've made that point very clear, but still got to go on the road and beat uh, beat an NFL team that's struggling to try and you know stay at the top of that division a couple things to note before we get off this game uh Rashad Penny got hurt in this game yep. he, uh, some sort of knee injury he's going to miss the rest of the season so mm-hmm. he's somebody that is droppable now in all formats uh for those of you that were holding on to Chris Carson which we told you to hold on to and start anyway you now he has a very clear path to continuing mm-hmm. to get the majority of the carries so you you shouldn't be any worried there uh DK looks pretty good uh at times in this game you know Lockett's tough to trust and we had four for 43 on six targets Probably somebody, if you play three receivers, you have to play. But if you only play two wide receivers, I could see a scenario where he's not playing for you next week. Yeah, it's been, considering how hot it started off at the beginning of the season, it's been much different for Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson as of late. All right, the next game I want to get into here, Kansas City Chiefs 23, New England 16. All hail the AFC West champs. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs go into New England and take care of business. The big headlines here, obviously, Patriots fans, Bitching about calls is one of the greatest things that I've ever seen because in the history, in the last 10 years, New England always gets the calls. I saw Jake talking about it on social media. We know. Um, and, And we're so used to them putting themselves in a position to where they lean and get those types of calls. And they just haven't been in those positions as of late. They were getting kind of blown out in this game. 
this is a this was a bad loss again at home, and now they're looking up at Baltimore, and it's not looking great for them to, to have the AFC Championship game at home. Jake, I'll let you take it first. What was your takeaway in this one? They played another good team and got killed. Yep. I mean, they, they made it a little closer by some goofy stuff going on, but the Chiefs dominated this game. I mean, period. They, they're not very good. We, I said it last year and I was wrong, and they won the Super Bowl. But this is a very, very different team than that. They have serious deficiencies on offense, on the offensive line. Tom Brady does not look that good. Their defense, when they play somebody, their defense is really good. But the, the all-time conversation, they're really good for this year. They're top five. They're not near as dominant as San Francisco at times. They can cover, but they got blown out at home. They got booed at home, which yeah. I think still think is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's and I saw, I saw somebody, somebody tweet, like, look around the banners in this stadium. You've won the division 17 years in a row. You've won 10 games 17 years in a row. Shut the hell up. Really? Yeah, I, I was like – You're going to boo – it's Boston. Of all people in this freaking world, yeah. they're going to boo the page. Come on, man. Like, that was uh, ridiculous. But they got they played a good team, and they got beat again. They've lost to three quarterbacks under 25 years old. I thought that was an interesting stat. I don't know what the hell it means, but I thought it was an interesting stat. Yeah, look, this Patriots offense is all out of sync. And if you've watched this, you watch them closely, you can see all of the issues that they have. And, you know, there was a couple sequences in this game. It happened on back-to-back plays. One of them where – Brady puts the ball in Philip Dorsett's hands, or excuse me, Jacoby Myers' hands, and he drops it. And the announcers are very quick and easy to, to say that that nobody helps Tom Brady. He's got no weapons. They can't help him at all, blah, 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 blah. Then the next play, Tom Brady misses a wide-open Philip Dorsett on an out route that would have given them a first down. Yeah. And quick. So the, the idea that Tom Brady is doesn't have any blame in this is ridiculous. And I know if I see that, we haven't said that on this show, but – I have seen that said a lot elsewhere. Like, yes, they have a weapons issue, but Tom Brady also miss, is missing open receivers as well. And it's not – the thing is, and I've seen people start to get upset about it, it, he's still the greatest quarterback of all time. He's still the – like, that doesn't mean that he can't – father time is undefeated. I know that he's got the TB12. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can't fight what is life, how how it exists. And he doesn't look that good this year. He, he is not as good as we have seen him in the past. And he's 42 years old. I mean, that's, that's where it is. And he is part of the problem. And to say anything different is just wrong. There are a lot of issues. They can't run the football. Their offensive no. line is this is as bad as an offensive line as I've seen for the Patriots in, that I can remember. Yeah, Tom got hit a couple of times yesterday where it looked bad. Yes, and they can't run the ball effectively at all. They need somebody other than just Julian Edelman and James White to be effective pass-catching options for them on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all that stuff is true. I mean, they're, but they're saying there's a lot of problems with the Patriots offense, and that was our concern. And, and we said that on the show on Friday that if now the Chiefs only got to 23, but we said if the Chiefs got into the upper 20s, lower 30s, they got that 20 to 31 points, could New England match them? And we didn't think they could, and they couldn't even get to 20. Uh, in this game. The big takeaway here is watching what happens with Patrick Mahomes' hand. He mm-hmm. heard it early in the game. He had an okay game, but clearly was it was bothering him afterwards. Said after the game it was bothering him. Something to monitor going forward. Otherwise, like you, you're stud, dead stud games. You know, Kelsey played really well, got the rushing touchdown. Tyreek Hill played pretty well. Didn't have a huge game for Tyreek Hill, but played pretty well in this matchup. Danny uh, Watkins actually had points? Yeah, he did. He had, he had what, eight targets in that game. Only caught four of them, but eight targets in that game. The running back situation was predictably annoying yeah. uh, for fantasy purposes, but that's what you should expect at this moment going forward. But 
Credit to the Chiefs. That's still a big win. That's still a good defense. It's still a good team. You went on the road into New England again and beat the Patriots team. Because now all of a sudden, look, the Patriots are going to win out. Like, they got Cincinnati. Yeah. They got Miami. And, and Buffalo. And that's Buff- that's so, the only game. Buffalo I don't know, dude. Uh, Buffalo might beat them. Buffalo, maybe. That might be the only one. But even worst case scenario, they're still probably going to be the two seed. Like, For sure. If they were going to Buffalo, I'd feel more confident about it, but they're still playing. That game is at home. That's the one game I've circled as like, that's the game. They can, they, it's a fun, it should be a fun game. They they could lose that game. It'll definitely be like probably a close spread because they, they haven't looked very good, especially this back half of the season. They looked really good at the beginning of the year. I should say their defense looked really good at the beginning of the year because they were playing garbage offenses I mean terrible offenses and now they've come back to earth and anytime they play anybody that's decent they get torched well we'll get a chance to watch that game pretty closely because that will be one of the Saturday games the three Saturday games on that week 16 weekend you have Texans Buccaneers is the early game Bills Patriots is the middle game and then the the evening game is Rams Niners so that's a really nice Saturday slate week 16 yeah looking forward to that all right the matchup of the weekend the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints I watched, I had this game on and then I had red zone on my phone because this game was so fun to watch. So much back and forth. Drew Brees at one point, I think he threw four straight touchdown passes to begin the game. There were 10 touchdown passes in this game, 12 total touchdowns. It was 48-46 final score. I, the, the, the Drew Brees two-minute drill to go down, put them in a position to win the game, and there's 53 seconds left on the clock and I go, Ah, this could, this, this, will it happen? Right. They lost on a last second field goal the weekend prior. They marched down Jimmy G in, in, in a really crucial moment on the road in a hostile environment, takes care of business. Robbie Gold, after coming off an injury, kicks a, kicks that field goal. They win this game. And man, oh man, you have to feel good about the San Francisco 49ers right now. Cause now they're at the top of the division. They are the one seed, and everybody's looking up at them. And, man, oh, man, it looks good for their path to potentially a Super Bowl. Jake, what was your takeaway from this one? That I'm glad Friday I said this was like a, a bar. you got to go to a bar for this slate of games. Yes. This is not one that you could have on one TV, and I'm damn glad that I did because it was a lot of fun to watch this one. The whole time I'm like, Drew Brees is going to score right here. The problem is he's going to leave too much time, and there's three timeouts for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then the play of the year. The play of the year. Don't get at me with anything else. Nothing's been close to that situation. And George Kittle just willing his way for 40-something yards down the field and then getting the face mask and running for 10 yards with a dude hanging off his face mask. It was unbelievable. And, like, there was no doubt Robbie Gold was knocking that in. There was a point in this game, I think there was about a minute left in the first half, to your point, Paige, there was more touchdown passes than incompletions combined Combined, yeah, like that is unbelievable for like what the number one and number four total defense in the NFL. I mean, that was it was a freaking track meet. It was awesome. Kyle Shanahan was phenomenal. His game plan was was spectacular. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, their game plan was spectacular. And if you really look at these teams, it's not like there's weapons galore. There's Michael Thomas and Kamara, and then you got like fifty dudes that play a role. Emmanuel Sanders has been phenomenal. That trade for them was exactly what they needed. And you talked about it Friday, Paige. He's not 100%, but he's been a professional. He's out there, and he's getting it done. Debo Samuel's turned into a stud. Mostert, I mean, they got some – they have, like, three of the fastest running backs in the, in the NFL. Yeah. If you go back they and look at these guys, like, they're, they're track backgrounds in, in college. Mostert and Brita can flat out fly. Brita wasn't that big in this game, and Mostert was great again. 
it was just spectacular. I mean, what a game to watch. And if that's a preview for the, like, the NFC Championship game, I don't care which building it's in, come on, man. Like, it'll never, it, won't be, it won't be like that, but, man, it was fun to watch. I hope it's those two teams because, man, the, between the coaching staffs and, like you said, just the quarterback play that we saw and, and, and just the fact that you bring up a good point. There, there isn't superstars across that offense with the exception of the guys you mentioned. Like, San Francisco has a lot of guys, right? Like, George Kittle, I think, deserves to be – like, he is – he is he's the a best superstar player. of that team. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's the best tight end. Like I love Travis Kelsey, but like Travis Kelsey has Patrick Mahomes and has had a and has been okay this year. Like he, I understand he just doesn't have the funk. Kittle yeah. will block your ass off. He'll catch it and run you over. He just brings an attitude. Like he's a he, when I say dog, dog, everybody yeah, dog. they know me well enough now to know what I. That's one of the greatest compliments you can give in football. He's a dog. The ultimate dog. Like that play was spectacular. I picked the Niners by three and I said it's all on Garoppolo. And he played phenomenal in a big place again. Yeah. That that that's the key that, takeaway for me. Is yeah. that like I, I'm starting to buy a like little we, bit more into Yeah, it's like we I don't yeah, we all gotta look at like because yeah. we, we've all been on Jamie said it Friday. I'm still not I don't know if I'm buying in. I still don't know how much. Dude, he's played pretty big in some big moments now. No, I'm in. I mean, like, he's proven enough. They, that was a huge moment. You know, I, I took more away from last week the way he played in the freaking rain than in, than he did in the dome. But he's a confident guy. He has total control of what Kyle wants to do offensively, and you could tell the way Kyle's calling games. I'm in, man. Like I, I don't know that I'm all in. He's like an elite, but he's good enough to win a Super Bowl with, with this team. And that's where I am, too. Like, the last two weeks really showed that to me. I don't need it every single week, but can he dial it up when they absolutely need him to? And he has done that. And mm-hmm. He has responded. And he, look, he played great here. He's got another great matchup for fantasy purposes next week where I think a lot of people, you know, he plays against Atlanta at home. Uh, I think there are a lot of people that are going to go, you know what? He's better than the option I've been rolling out there. Yeah. And I'm going to play him in the semifinals. Uh, I was, look, there were a lot, lot of wrong go around about this game. We expected better defense for the most part, but. Raheem Mostert was really good again. He was somebody that I wasn't sure that was going to be used as, as heavily. I mean, again, he only got 12 touches, but, boy, were they effective touches. I mean, almost 130 total yards and two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing. Uh, look, he's somebody that's probably a flex play going forward next week. Like, I still don't know what to do with his backfield. Like, Breeder looked okay on a per-touch basis, but didn't get a lot of touches. Tevin Coleman was not invisible in this game. You can't play him anymore this year. Sanders looked really good, which is good to see coming back after the last couple of weeks where he didn't look as well. Starting to think he's a little bit healthier at this moment. I, I was big on Debo Samuel this week. I, I didn't know why everybody was running from him. Uh, I know he had back-to-back games where he only had like six total targets, but he had been good for three or four weeks prior to that. I think people sometimes run away from these guys way too quickly. Uh, and on the New Orleans Back-to-back side, games with carries for Debo Samuel, too. I think he had two carries yeah. in both games for like 12 or 15 yards or 20 yards in both games. Yeah, they're trying to get him the ball in a, in a lot of different ways, and that that's, that has to factor in. Uh, on the Saints side, uh, look, you still got to hold strong with Kamara going forward. It wasn't a good game for him. It fumbles the ball away, but it, it's definitely something that, you know, you can't bench him. I can't, no, I can't imagine you have two or three running backs better than Alvin Kamara on your roster right now. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. It's got better matchups going forward than this week. Uh Cook got two touchdowns, but got a concussion in this game, so he might not be able to play next week, so he might not be available for you. Uh, I But look, I was impressed with Drew Brees. Drew Brees has had issues in the last couple years late in the season where he's kind of wilted away statistically 
This was a huge matchup. I, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people played him this week, so hopefully he can keep to keep that up going forward. Yeah, a lot of people I saw on social media upset because they looked at this matchup and said, eh, this probably isn't the best week. But I wouldn't have played him this week. Yeah. I am outside my top 20 quarterbacks. Yeah, I get it. It is what it is. I understand, but sometimes uh, things like that surprise you, and man, oh man, it was a it was a fun game to watch. All right, the next one here, the Baltimore Ravens getting it done against the Buffalo Bills, 24-17. to uh, Obviously, locked in their playoff berth 11 and two they've now beaten right so they had a pretty tough stretch here of games they've now beaten the patriots texan rams niners and bills in the since their bye week okay they have won nine games in a row and again patriots texans rams niners and bills all playoff teams are with it you know the rams are in a playoff contention potentially um, that's an impressive statistic that they've gone nine in a row, beating all those teams. They keep it going and get it done against the Buffalo team. Josh Allen struggled in this one, like Jamie told us uh, going into the weekend. This wasn't going to be a great matchup for him. He looked awful he, in the first half. Of this he game. looked really bad. He was negative fantasy points in the first half. Uh, Jake, He's what was tough your as freaking nails though? He is tough, and he fought back. He clawed himself back. This still this still showed us a lot from this Buffalo team that they kept it close and had opportunities. But Baltimore gets it done. Jake, your takeaways? They're damn good. I, I mean, for two weeks now, we've seen good, really good defenses do what I said I wanted to see, and that's load the box with big guys. And Lamar Jackson keeps beating them. Three three touchdown passes in this game. One of the the sickest juke moves you've ever seen. That will be like a crying Jordan meme forever of him just breaking a dude's ankles on a read option. That was just, I mean, Pat McAfee's tweet was absolutely spectacular. This is a professional freaking athlete, but he says it that he's doing this too, and it's just over and over on this like little three second clip. Uh, he's spectacular. Their defense is playing awesome. The Marcus Peters trade again has been phenomenal. It's not that he he's played great and had some splash plays, but it's allowing them to do more in the back end. And they blitz more than anybody. And I said going into the game, Josh Allen was number one in the NFL since week five against the blitz. Baltimore's going to blitz. Who's going to win the matchup? Baltimore did. Their defense was spectacular again. Uh, they look they look really strong. I, I'm not real sure who can really hang with them in the AFC. There's some teams in the NFC I think can maybe get it done. But uh, there's, there's, there's nobody in the AFC I see right now that, that's hanging in there. The, them in Kansas yeah. City again could be really interesting if, if Kansas City's Click on all cylinders. Mahomes is okay, but I don't know, man. Like they, uh, they, they just and Lamar Jackson. Like you can question it all you want. They talk about again a team without a ton of weapons everywhere. It's not like Mark Ingram's a superstar, right? Well, I mean, he's a, he's a dude. Like, but Lamar Jackson is a superstar that's making the rest of these guys play like just world beaters. The Patriots have significantly more offensive talent around Tom Brady right now than the Baltimore Ravens around Lamar Jackson. Just, it, it, it just, there's no other way around it. I mean, so it, that's why it always amazes me people try and discredit. And it's getting less and less now, to be fair, because there's only so many times you can get punched in the face being told you're wrong about Lamar Jackson week after week after week, watching, <laughs> yeah. him, watching him on the field before you just say, just uncle, I'm done. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm going to accept it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Mark Ingram is a good player. But I don't. He's not a great player. I mean, who, who are the past? Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, Mark, I mean, uh, Nick Boyle. I mean, um, no, Hollywood they, Brown's barely been a factor for most of his game. Willie Sneed. I mean, no, you look at the is, weapons. Who is an elite offensive weapon with the exception of Lamar Jackson on that offense? Nobody. None. Zero. They have yeah. none. There's not one that I would put in an elite category. They do not have a top five 
anything. Uh, they don't have a top ten anything. No, uh, they don't have a top. You know, and maybe you want to say Mark Andrews is a top, top, top ten, 10 offensive end. line. <laughs> yeah, that's yes, a big factor for sure. That's a huge factor. But I'm just talking about the, the on the, the skill position guys. Like, I, I I don't think Mark Andrews is a top ten tight end if he wasn't in this offense. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't think you stick him somewhere else on the. But on sure, the you want to put him in the conversation around there, sure. But everywhere else. Like this is that's why I'm so impressed with what Baltimore's doing. And to to Jake's point, he talked about, you know, when these this these two teams, potentially them in Kansas City, the issue is I think Mahomes is a like that injury scares me because he was holding on to that hand a lot during that game. And the, I don't know. Like I just can't envision that they would go the, to Baltimore and beat this the team. The thing that scares me about Kansas City is that they can't run the football and their defense is spotty at best. Yes. And again, it just the thing that they could at least last year, their defense was bad last year too, and it cost them in the end. But they were an effective running team for most of the season. So they could beat you in multiple ways. I just feel like Kansas City at this point has too many deficiencies for a great team to win the Super Bowl. But we'll see. Uh, but It's not a good make- matchup for Kansas City and Baltimore now. Baltimore yeah. secondary healthy. The Marcus Peters trade as much as they blitz. And you can't run it. They could tee off on you. Ooh, yeah. that, that does not that does not spin that. You got Kelsey and you got Tyree Kill. The rest of those receivers are whatever at best. Yeah. And that, that just does not spell – an awesome night for the Chiefs, in, in my opinion. Like, we look at it right now, I, I don't know. There's no way I'm picking the Chiefs if they played again right now. No, no. I'm not picking anybody to beat Baltimore right now. So, a uh, couple quick notes on Buffalo before we get off of this game. Good to see Devin Singletary have some success and wasn't the easiest matchup in the world, but 17 carries for 89 yards. Not a huge fantasy day, but got the job done for you. And basically, almost 120 total yards, so you got the job done there. And Cole Beasley in the end zone again, who's been really – Really strong for them since their bye week. He's been a really good player, somebody to keep an eye on going uh, forward because I think he's somebody that's on the waiver wire that if you're weak yeah. in the position and you mm-hmm. need a wide receiver, a safe wide receiver three option in the semifinals, he's somebody you really should consider. The Broncos, this is a, a, a surprise here. So both of you guys picked them to cover the spread, I believe, because it yeah. was nine points, but they really go in. And at one point I looked up at the game, the score 38 24, but they they were kicking their ass during it was this. 30 to three at one point. Yeah. I, the, the Broncos have officially arrived in. They are five and eight, and they're the team in December that you do not want to play. Yeah. Right? They're they're in that category. We see Drew Locke has come in and have some you know impressive. That's the throws. reason. Yeah, and they're thirty eight to three lead in the third quarter. Like that's and deserved every bit of it. Yeah, I mean they were kicking their ass, and there was definitely a letdown for Houston. This was this was a a, a game that. You, you you look at that point spread and you go, okay, you got to take care of business, and they just got their ass whooped in this one. These are the kind of games that always like – these are the kind of games the Texans time, tend to play that you go right when you want to think that they're maybe going to make that push to the elite level. Like yeah, just the, the, the bottom of the elite level. Maybe this is a team that can compete with the, the upper echelon of the AFC. They do things like this. Yep. And then you start to go, we go, oh, yeah – they might win on wild card weekend and then we'll never hear from them again. Like that's, rookie that's quarterback good. in his first road start and they know they're not going to run it. So they go, Oh, we'll put it in his hands. He's the first player ever to throw for 333 to 300 yards and three touchdowns as a rookie in his first road start. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Impressive. And by the way, Vic Fangio's defense is top five in the NFL. Yeah. They've been quietly kicking people's asses without Von Miller for the last couple of weeks. Like, the Broncos are a much better team than the record indicates. This is a team that, depending on how they do in the draft next year, this is going to be a team that I'm probably going to be back on as like a sneaky team to kind of Because they look like they got a quarterback that's got some swag, that came off IR, that had all these question marks from his head coach, and nobody knew what the hell they expected. He played his ass off two weeks in a row. The kid was throwing dimes. He's got an arm. He understands what's going on. He's not afraid to sling it, and they got young weapons. 
And we've talked about Cortland Sutton going to be a star if he gets quarterback play. He wasn't great in this game fantasy-wise because he's getting double covered, but he's going to be a star if Drew Locke keeps playing like this. Yeah, Noah Fant's playing a little bit better as well. He had four for 113 and a touchdown in this game. Isn't it funny how rookies have chemistry because they spent all this time together when the vets go home with this new with the collective bargaining agreement the way it is, and these rookies are all living in some hotel bonding, and some rookie comes in and plays, and it's like, it absolutely it matters. And like you yeah. can see on Fant's touchdown, he's like, yeah, my boy! Like, like they wanted to celebrate together because they had that chemistry. I think Noah Fant had a really interesting play the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, he left early with a foot injury. Uh, X-rays came back negative from what I understand. So he doesn't look like he's in danger of missing this week, but something to keep an eye on. But, but he's a rookie late in the season too, so who knows? Yes, but definitely somebody that I think if, they, if he's out there next week is somebody you're interested in. Hopkins ended up getting his on the Houston side of things late. I mean, he was 7 for 120 touchdown. Kiki QT had the terrible fumble there that got returned. They're going to cut him in the offseason. They hate him. And I he know. Gives, they give him no reason to keep, keep playing him. <sighs> Hyde was okay, but you're not going to run the ball, continue to run the ball when you're down four touchdowns in yeah. the third quarter of this game. But overall, like, uh, look, Lindsey didn't have a big game on the ground but got in the end zone, but I'm really encouraged for him going forward. This offense is starting to look a lot like what it was earlier in the season when Joe Flacco was clicking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually optimistic if you have some of these, the, the Cortland Suttons, the Philip Lindsays of the world, some of the uh, Noah fans, these pieces going forward. But – that's a bad loss for the Texans. Like yeah. now, they have really no chance of getting a home playoff, a home buy, I should say, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But they might not win their division. Yeah, now they're right back in trouble again. Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's got a brutal stretch to end the year, but they're pushing. Dude, they're six they and one. And Tannehill's playing his ass off. I'm just saying they might not win their division because they just got dusted by the Broncos. Like, who's to yeah. say they got an easy schedule? Who's to say they're going to win it? Like yeah, much, much less home playoff it. games or whatever else. They, they they might not win their division. They might not get in. Yeah, Tennessee looks really good, too, and they, they've just – Ryan Tannehill's been really By the great. way, yeah, because the, the Duck has the Steelers rolling, so I don't even know that they're getting in Yeah, after that loss. Yeah, I, we got – like, they're so – the AFC is such in such an interesting place right now. What a fun uh, weekend of games. This was awesome. Exactly. Exactly. It was a fun weekend of games. All right, the another AFC matchup with two teams that will not be in the postseason, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. The Jets get a victory. I, I'm so mad. I'm going to cut you off, Paige. I am so mad. Okay. I, I, I thought the silver was a lock, and they kicked 10 freaking field goals in this game? <laughs> okay, our, our shootout turned into a soccer game. 10? It was Ten exactly what we predicted, Jamie. They just couldn't have stopped in the red zone every yeah. – I looked up, and I was like, Jets, field goal. Dolphins, field goal. Jets, field goal. Dolphins, field goal. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. They kept switching leads, and then the Jets missed one. Yeah. And then they still won. Ten field goals. This is here. Go ahead, no, no, This I'm, is I'm yours. Off because ten field goal. Like, the thought process was right. These guys, the, the teams moved the ball, and then they just got in the red zone, and they pretended they were the Arizona Cardinals in the red zone. They decided they couldn't score. Like, it, it's just like, it's so weird. It was such a weird game to watch. Every time red zone cut to them, it was like, oh, cool, Jason Sanders is kicking his what now? Seventh field goal of the game. Which yeah. one shy of the NFL record, I believe. I think Rob Baronis had eight in a game yeah, at one point. Yeah, it was a, a whole lot of meh. And a lot of injuries, though, in this game. Devontae Parker left this game with an injury. Alan Hearns left this game with an injury. Parker might yeah, miss Albert Wilson left this game with an injury. Yeah, so, I mean, there's – it's it's a little worrisome uh, as far as this game goes in terms of injuries going forward. But, I mean, look, Pat, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the Dolphins' leading rusher because, yeah <laughs> – he didn't, he didn't look bad out there trying to run around at like a quarter of a mile an hour. He did pretty good. Um, and on the Jets side of things, we, we we said Robbie Anderson would have a big game. He did, 7 for 116 and a touchdown. 
you know, Ryan Griffin left this game with an injury. Le'Veon Bell did not play because of the illness. So Bill Powell did Bill Powell things. 74, 74 yards on 19 carries, caught a couple passes. I mean, that's what you expect from him. So he, he was a pretty decent fill-in. I know he was a big DFS play because he was so cheap last week and got you what you needed. Yeah, I got nothing, I got nothing to add to this. It was, look, the, the Dolphins got screwed by a, a crazy call late. The Jets did a nice job winning the game. I picked them by one. They won by what, two, whatever it was. They won by one. Whatever. They won by one. It was a soccer game. I mean, it was two bad teams going back and forth. The Dolphins keep playing hard, man. Like, they literally have nothing left. And I wouldn't want to play them. No. They, they Devontae Parker's been a stud all year. He's been great for three weeks. He's going to be out. But I wouldn't want to play them. If I'm the Patriots, I don't want to play the Dolphins right now. No, you lose and, to them in Miami every year in December. You might lose to them in Foxborough this December, and they're worse than they've ever been. God, feed me that storyline. Sure, would you want to play them right now? No. Brian Flores face after the game. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to practice on this team this week. Yeah. I, I'm, I am falling in love with this dude. I've heard great things for a couple years, but I got a ton of respect for the way he's coaching this team. They yeah. literally have. They, they don't have the SEC All Star team. The, the, you know, it's, it's so interesting because we saw Patricia. I don't know if they got the Conference USA All-Star team. We saw, we saw Patricia leave a year earlier. And one of the things that has been critical of, of him in Detroit and from all over the league is you saw a locker room split right when he was there. And they, you know, they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but that team never looks like it's at the level of competitiveness that happens with Brian Flores, who obviously also left from New England and has that and team. And yeah, it's it's and Vrabel, it, two like very different scenarios where we're talking about teams that play from that Belichick scheme where they play mistake free football and they're do, putting themselves in positions to win. Like Patricia doesn't do that, but the other two guys are really putting themselves. And obviously, we got a long while to go, and you're never in that Belichick conversation. But you're seeing the proper steps and foundation be built for Miami. And obviously in Tennessee, we've seen great things and and a huge step forward for them this year. Uh, Okay. The next matchup, the green Bay Packers win 20 to 15 against the Redskins. Like they, the Packers, I I will give, I have to say this because it is an impressive feat. Matt LaFleur is the first coach in green Bay's history to win at least 10 games in his first season with the Packers. Kudos to Matt LaFleur. Obviously the green Bay Packers, one of the most storied franchises in the NFL. So that's a, a huge achievement for him. But this game wasn't like twenty to fifteen. This is a like I, I expected Green Bay to just do more, and they just they were meh, and I'm just meh on them right now. Isn't they're it? meh? Yeah, they are meh. That's all they are. That's yeah. all they are. Yes, he's won ten games, but he's not the first best first year coach with a new team, and it's not even no. close. No, and, uh, and I'll let you guys talk about who is, but it's not elite. No, that you stepped into a, a team. They spent $60 million in the offseason on defense that has Aaron Rodgers, that has a healthy offensive line and a better running game. Yeah, you won 10 games. They've done a great job, but they are meh. I'm not picking them to be anybody in the playoffs right now other than Dallas. Yeah, I, I was a little disappointed, especially considering you got out to a fourteen nothing lead. You thought this was, okay, they're going to – they're just going to boat race. They're going to roll, the, the, yeah. This is going to be the game where the Packers win – you know, thirty-five to thirteen, and you're like, okay, they're they're gearing up, and they just kind of never hit that next gear. I don't think they have that next gear. They the don't have enough weapons on offense to have that next gear. They, in comparison to, so when we're looking at the rest of the NFC, right, and you're looking at all the other teams that are leading the top of their division, with the exception of the NFC East, like I'm gonna pick, like I saw that team go into San Francisco and get 
rickrolled. Like they are not, they're not you going saw to it three New weeks Orleans. before that in LA with against the chargers. Yeah. Like new Orleans, no chance. Sanford, like they, like even Seattle and some of the secondary team, like I'm not picking that team. I'm not to picking them to beat the Rams. No, I'm not picking him to beat anybody with the exception of like Jamie said, if they end up playing like the Cowboys or maybe the Eagles, like I, I just, this team, they're 10 wins, but they're non-impressive wins. The Eagles like, dusted them in Lambeau good. earlier in the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like they, they have a good record. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Aaron Rodgers has not been Aaron Rodgers because he had, didn't have the weapons, but they're a better overall team. LaFleur stepped into a phenomenal situation. They spent all that money on that defense, and that defense has been good. They've been great, but they've been good. They've been much, much improved. The offensive line has been healthy almost all year. That's huge, and they have had a, they've had a better running game. Aaron Jones has been better than he's ever been in his career. And the and the the whole thing in this offseason, right? And this new hire with Lafleur was like McCarthy doesn't run this explosive offense, and we need to change the offense so it's more dynamic and it fit. And it's like, where is that? Because I don't see that. Like, I, I show they me that the this, weapons for that. Yeah, show me that this is a better team than it was with Mike McCarthy. You can't. Like, I, I understand that last year was a tough year, but Rodgers was was struggling last year, even more so than he is this year. They had similar issues with weapons. They didn't have this defense. And I don't see this, like, we're going to go get this dynamic Kyle Shanahan-esque disciple that's going to do all this. I just, I don't see it. And I I, I haven't seen it for a while. And Green Bay's defense is living a little bit off its reputation from the first couple weeks of the season. Yes, also that. Right, no, they are. They are. And we've talked about that. But they're, I'm just saying they're better. And the guys that they spent money on have played every week, and they've got double-digit sacks, and they're playing really well. Yeah. I mean, like, those are the guys their free agents are. Like, they're, they're, no, I, no, the back end, the pass rushers, like, all that. All that's worked out. And that, that's because I, I always say that because Green Bay doesn't do that. They don't ever go spend $60 million on offseason and free agency. Look, right now they're most likely first opponents, uh, depending on how things shake out. But right now they're most likely first opponent, assuming this, if the Saints jump them at some point, uh, would be the Vikings or, or the Rams. And if they don't jump them, then their most likely opponent in the second round after they come out is the Saints. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's not going to be an easy road for them at all. Uh, fantasy-wise, Aaron Jones had a really big game here, so you have to be excited if you're an Aaron Jones fantasy owner. Have a, he should have had a big game, and he did. Uh, really nobody else did. I mean, Devontae Adams only had four catches in this game. Really no other big games. Jamal Williams wasn't involved. On the Redskins side, Darius Geis hurt his knee. Looks like it's going to be some sort of MCL sprain. I would not be surprised if they, they shut him down for the rest of the year, given the litany of knee injuries he has suffered going back to college. Which I warned you about, and he better be high in your draft for next year because you give him an offseason to get all these knee injuries behind him, and the dude's going to be a beast. Absolutely. Chris Thompson, big, uh, big role in the passing game, which is what you wanted to see again. He didn't, they didn't use him like that last week in his first week back, easing him in. Seven catches in this game. Uh, awesome. Catch of the day from yeah, Scary, scary Terry, Terry. man. Uh, in the end zone there. Uh, and Peterson, Andrew Peterson looked good, and now he's somebody that's fantasy relevant the rest of the way. He's got no competition for carries now. I know. When you talk about the offensive rookie of the year, right, and like I wish that Terry McLaren had been put into a, a good situation from the very beginning because man, is he a talented dude! Like he is, he is really, really, really fun to watch, and it's been uh, that's been a bright spot definitely for the Redskins. And this is listen, they went to Lambeau and they played a close game. Like that's this team is like I don't I don't know who they're gonna hire. I don't know what they're gonna do in the off season, but they have a couple of bright spots, which is more than you could say a couple of weeks ago. Assuming we're giving offensive rookie of the year to Josh Jacobs, one hundred percent. Who, who? Which receiver is number two? Is it Debo? Is it Terry? Is it DK? Who, who, who are you giving that number two spot to in this hypothetical scenario? They've all had like kind of stretches where they've been really great, but it hasn't been. McLaurin's been the most consistent 
That's what I think, most right? Most well-rounded receiver of the rookies. Debo flashes, but he's coming on late. Terry's been there every week with some of the worst quarterback play ever. That has to factor in also. Sure. Like it should factor in the fact that DK Metcalf is out there playing with with a much better offensive system and coach and and storied issue. And same with Kyle Shanahan. Like you're you're in two very, very good scenarios for both DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel. And listen, they've both been bright spots and they've come on in stretches where they needed it. But Terry, when you take in everything into account, has been the most impressive from the eye test. When you, if you've watched these these three guys play, the best one by far has been Terry McLaren. By, by far. the way, this is kind of like my theme of the week of all these games is coaching. Yeah, you're seeing it. Bill Callahan, we all love Gruden. Jay Gruden uh, didn't, in my opinion, deserve to be fired. It was ugly. Bill Callahan has done an unbelievable job rallying this young team that they could have gone the tank 100%. and just got dusted every week. They've been really competitive. They don't have enough pieces to win, but they're playing a lot like the Dolphins right now. They're playing really, really hard with just whoever they throw out there. He's done a hell of a job. I think I don't think we could go talk about this game or talk about this team at all and not mention that because it's earned my respect. I mean, I've always had a lot of respect for him. Great offensive line coach. He's done a nice job wherever he's been, but he's done a really good job of rallying this team. Yeah, he's gonna have he's gonna be somewhere coaching and and have a solid position because what he's been able to show with with this young specifically with Dwayne Haskins right like with keeping this guy in line who was a little all over the map and did, clearly was not listening to Jay Gruden which is why he got fired. Um, so it'll be interesting as they move forward to see what happens with Bill Callahan and wh- who they hire. Uh, we're for now we're doing polo swaps with uh, Urban Meyer there just to just to really feed into that fan base. All right, the Cleveland Browns take care of the Cincinnati Bengals twenty seven to nineteen. Um, kinda, kinda, right? Like I say, take care of, but they won the game, but it wasn't convincingly. They did just enough. They did just yeah, they did just enough. The Bengals competed. They put themselves in a in a position to at least attempt to win this football game but you know at the end of the day they get their 12th loss of the season and Cleveland moves on um but they're not going anywhere and there's drama with Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield's talking about it after the game and you have big you got big uh what's her name Taylor Rooks in that mm-hmm. in New York from Bleacher Report you got other people saying like where do you want Odell Beckham Jr. like what's the ideal scenario and I'm going oh my god here we go nowhere uh, nowhere he's not he, going anywhere. he's not good enough for this drama I don't care yeah. Who needs him? Somebody's going to buy in. Somebody's going to pay him this contract, and somebody's going to keep this going. But I told you before the season, he wasn't going to be that good for them. Yep. They weren't going to be able to deal with the drama. And I don't care what happened in the game. The Bengals are not that terrible. Andy Dalton should have been the starting quarterback all year. This is what I want to talk about. Because if Freddie Kitchens is going to have a job there next year, then Baker Mayfield better be sitting his ass in his office this morning getting ripped. You do not stand your ass in front of a team and a media after a game and talk about your freaking training staff when it's not your injury. That is not your damn job as a starting quarterback and a franchise quarterback and the leader of a franchise and a team and a fan base that's already got so much crap and drama. And then tweet about, I didn't mean to throw my training staff under the bus. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. If you're that emotional, don't go up there and answer questions. Yeah. Plead the fifth. Pull a Tom Brady and a Bill Belichick and say yes and no and that's it. You have to go up there because you're a quarterback, but you don't have to go up there and run your mouth. Somebody get this dude under control. Like it is embarrassing what he's doing to himself. It's it is embarrassing, and all of us, as I feel like we need to continue to say, our team Baker. All of us, yes, like Baker. we all like Baker, but he needs to learn what it is to be a professional 
quarterback in the NFL because the rules are different. It's not Oklahoma anymore. You're not winning the Heisman anymore. It do- it doesn't. Nobody gives a shit what you did last year. You had a lot of expectations. You ran your mouth and you bit, had a big old flop. Right you had more interceptions case. than commercials in the first quarter. That's and that's exactly saying something because right. you're on every damn commercial. But it's you, absurd. Like, you can't keep doing this. No. You've you got to understand. I love the chip on the shoulder that makes him Baker. But that has got to be an internal thing and a locker room thing. Tom Brady, had, there's no bigger chips in the world than Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. We've had in Tiger Woods. We've had these conversations. You guys know my feelings about it. Baker's in that category of, like, chip on the shoulder. But those guys internalized it. It made them work that much harder. It was in the locker room. It was not on camera. It was not to the downgrade of their franchises, which is this has become. It, it's, it's, you got to get it under control. It's absurd. This next year, is this offseason is going to be a huge step and a huge indicator of what kind of player and what kind of man Baker Mayfield is. Mm-hmm. Because this is their, he is unbelievably talented. We all know that. Uh, like Jake and like you, I love that he has a chip on his shoulder. But it's the way he manifests it and the way he uses that. Just having a chip on your shoulder isn't anything special. It's being able to take that chip on your shoulder and using it as a motivator and 100%. doing better at whatever it is you have the chip about. Jamie. It doesn't, it doesn't oh, make you any gotta grow up. Have a chip on your shoulder. Thank a lot you. of people walking around in this world with chips on their shoulder for no goddamn reason. Yeah. So, but <laughs> and, and Baker's not one of those people. But he needs to show that okay, you got you got punched in the mouth this season. You you you, you were out there. You were feeling good about yourself. You were razzle dazzle. You were and you just got yourself. Knock the F out this year. Now, you still have all the talent in the world, yourself. You have a lot of talent on that team. Do you take this offseason and go, okay, that is never going to happen to me ever again? Or is it the start of it's everybody else's fault and not mine? Very good point. That that pivot, that fork in the road will determine whether or not Baker Mayfield goes on to have a really successful career or if he's just going to be somebody that goes down as another missed quarterback. For the Cleveland Browns. That's Before I jump off this Baker subject in his press conferences, can somebody tell me what the hell's going on with his facial hair, hair, and clothes? <laughs> You're supposed to be a dude with some swag, and you look like I'm not going to offend anybody that's living in Golden Gate Park uh, in San Francisco, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. But like, like what is what are you doing, dude? Like, well, it's, none, it's of awesome. have, none of them have $35 million to their name, so I assure it, you that if they had $35 million. You got that million. from DirecTV alone. Yeah. Like, or progressive like, or whatever. He's on every damn commercial. That ain't even like getting into a salary. Maybe he's a warehouse commercial. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's awful. It's awful. Jamie, uh, fantasy relevance from this game moving forward because there's more injuries. Yeah, more injuries in this game. Uh, look, I you, you like Mixon you like Mixon going forward, even though he doesn't have some great matchups coming up. I know he's got like the Patriots and whatnot, but they're giving him a ton of volume. They're going his way going forward. I would be concerned if I'm a Tyler Boyd owner the rest of the way. Uh, from a Cleveland side, look, you're starting Chubb every week. He's been great. You're starting Kareem Hunt every week. You're starting Jarvis Landry every week, and that's it. Like, I think Odell Beckham is a flex play. If you're in a three-receiver league, you probably have to play Odell Beckham. Uh, now, they get the Cardinals this week, so he has a chance to have a big game. But yeah. he's more of like a wide receiver three, and we have to stop looking at the name value and start looking at what the production has been. Yeah, use the eyes. What have you seen? Stop looking at the name and the jersey on the back and look at what you've seen all year long because it hasn't been good. And tried to warn you, but uh, my plea is to Emily Mayfield to get her husband to start looking better because Emily is a Husker and uh, graduated with me at Nebraska. So, Emily, please take care of your husband and dress him better because he is having some having some issues. And Jake called him, Jake called him out. So we, we want to see him give, looking. Give me scruff, Baker. Lose the handlebar. Damn sure lose the whatever stash. 
Just give me okay. scruff baker. And I don't like clean shaven baker either. Just give me like two, three days of scruff. Call it a day. Like throw something in your hair, pull it back. Like whatever, just something. Dude, give me, give me just G2 baker. Like, come on, dude. Like I saw you, like you're looking fresh. And now I'm like, brother, you, you want to look at, you look, your, your play is, is, is shown with what, how you're looking these days. So like, let's, let's elevate a little yeah, bit. It's, it's literally almost like I have to look this bad. Because we didn't, we didn't look good in the game. But you won this one. Like, go oh, on a God. black T-shirt and a black leather jacket and flick your hair back and give me something. Yeah. Like, exactly. this is <laughs> – these trench coats and jacked-up mustaches <laughs> and your hair down in your forehead is like – Bro, you have the example in Tom Brady. You're the yeah. only person that's, like, been Broadway Joe-ish since, right? Like, this Tom yeah. Brady like, – do something. Yeah. You're on every commercial. Like, where there are people already see you. Step it up, and this the, the post game press conference has got to be different in every way. Yeah, moving, moving on, moving on, uh, moving on to all aboard the Jameis Winston roller coaster ride, which uh, which it, of all the Jameis moments, this is quintessential Jameis. Uh, five touchdown victory against the Indianapolis Colts. The Buccaneers were eliminated from playoff contention, but man, oh man, this team is playing hard. They get a victory, 38-35. to They're learning how to win. They're putting it together. The sad thing here, obviously, is the injury to Mike Evans. It's not not what we wanted to see. And the Jameis Winston stuff is just – it's incredible to watch. I mean, he's all over the map, and this is the this is this is what Jameis Winston was this game. And I watched almost all of it. And Jake, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, let me cough up my ulcer. Uh, this, <laughs> this Jekyll and Hyde gave me. Look, he it was a. What, I say this all the time, right? When you have him first in the NFL history, an all time day, it's rare. He was the first player in NFL history to throw for 450 yards and four touchdowns. That was the third, right? You add the rushing touchdown. He's the first person to ever do it. And he threw three picks. There were three of the worst picks I've ever seen. And they came back and won. This is not a game the Buccaneers have won in the past. It points to coaching. The young defense played great and were put in bad situations all day. They had their moments where they weren't awesome either, but they're stepping up. Devin White is a superstar in the making. Levante David is the most underrated player in the NFL besides maybe Mike Evans. Um, I, I was impressed. It was a huge win for them. Look, Indianapolis was shorthanded. Jacoby Brissett showed me a ton. That dude is a competitor. He makes big plays. That offensive line is awesome. Uh, they're going to be fine moving forward. I love what they're building. They're building it the right way. they got to have legitimate weapons uh, to win. But Darius Leonard, superstar on the other side. Watching him in person, like not in person, but like just watching a full game against the team where I know the offense so well. That dude is legit in his second year. Uh, but it was a big win. And Jameis, with a, you can make fun of this all you want, guys. We talk about some of these injuries. He has a broken bone in his thumb. Yeah. It's a tiny fracture. But when you're talking about Patrick Mahone shaking his hand and not being right, Jameis threw for 456 yards, 156 of it in the second half, missing a drive, and the game-winning touchdown with a small fracture in his thumb. Yeah. I never questioned the Minus dude's three throws. It was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. But those three throws make you want to jump off a bridge. Like, it was, ah, I don't know. But it was the full piece of talent, man. Yes. All aboard, like I said, all aboard the Jameis Winston roller coaster fest because that is exactly I, I do. I do want to point to coaching again as the theme of this, though, and I'm not pointing at my dad. I'm pointing at Todd Bowles and what he's doing with this young secondary, that they are finally coming around. This this defense is playing really really well. 
the offensive line's playing real. They're not great on the offensive line. They've been pretty healthy, uh, but they're playing really solid up there. Jameis takes a lot of sacks because he's a lot like Ben Roethlisberger and a big dude that just makes a lot of plays off schedule. Uh, but this team is a young team and a franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs since, what, 2007, whatever it's been. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If Mike Evans doesn't get hurt and they play the Packers on a neutral field, who are you taking right now? Probably Tampa. Yeah. It's at, I, least, it's at least something to talk about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. I'm not talking spreads. I'm talking about pick them on a neutral field right now against the Packers. Mostly because I don't trust that Packers offense that they could keep up with. I, I'd have to. I'd have to think about it. Hard. Yeah, cool. I mean, cool. in Green Bay in the snow, I'm not taking them. But like yeah, in a neutral no. field, with Mike Evans not hurt, and who who thought we'd be having that conversation four or five weeks ago? Three in a row, four out of five. They're turning it on. I mean, it's, it was uh, it was a big win. In, in other words, yeah, for me. and look, their defense played so much better than what the final score indicates. Yeah. Uh, again, and look, it's the fact of when you turn the ball over frequently, and sometimes as blatantly as Jameis Winston has, it mm-hmm. le- puts your defense in sometimes terrible situations, or just puts your defense makes it look like they gave a point more points than they already did because they took it back the other way. Uh, the big the biggest fantasy piece of information from this game is Mike Evans. Yeah, uh, he's. Doesn't seem likely he's going to play again in the fantasy playoffs, especially maybe if you play in week 17, but like, I don't even think that's likely. So I think you just have to imagine that for most, most of you out there that you're going to have to drop him now because there's just, he's not going to play for you over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on this, Jake, before I go to the Colts side of things, because there's a couple of wide receivers that are interesting now. Justin Watson got eight targets in this game, caught five for 59, a touchdown. Brashad Perryman's been playing better the last few weeks, three for 70 and a touchdown. I think O.J. Howard maybe gets the biggest boost of any single player with Evans out, but if you had to pick a second wide receiver option on this team behind Chris Godwin, who do you think will get the most work? I'd say Perriman. He's been really solid for three or four weeks. Uh, He's going to be the two. Justin Watson played really, really good in Mike Evans' place, and O.J. Howard two weeks in a row has been over 60 yards. Uh, But I'd say Perriman gets targets when it's Godwin Evans and Perriman is the three. I think he's still going to get the same amount of targets, but somebody's got to fill into that third role. And Godwin's going to stay in the slot, so it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, matchup-wise, they go to Detroit this week. They want to run it more than they've run it, but they keep getting behind. As my, my dad said in the press conference, it's, it's hard to coach the nicest team in football that wants to spot the other team 14 points every week. Um, <laughs> so they want to run it some more next week. So I'm not sure that you have a great secondary option against Detroit. But after that, you got the Texans. Uh, in, in week 16. So it'll be interesting. I, I still say Perryman. I mean, he's still – he's finally coming on to be the player that I thought he was going to be all year uh, the last probably four or five weeks. Yeah, I mean, Lions, Texans, Falcons last three weeks for the Buccaneers. And if you assume that Slay is going to be on Chris Godwin for the most of that game, they the, the, the Lions don't really have anybody else. No. That's, well, they're not going to – he's not going to follow him in the slot no, and in motion all over the – they're not going to play – they're not going to play man everywhere. No, so, so he's gonna, he's probably going to stay on one side of the field. He'll play him a little bit, but it won't be a huge matchup that way. And on the Colts side of things in this game, look, Matt gets a touchdown, but predictably not going to run on this defense. Not not a shock at all there that he didn't run for run for thirty eight yards on thirteen carries. Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal got in the end zone, but that was really it. Like it was for as many points as the Colts put up in this game, nobody had. I mean, again, three guys got touchdowns and Mac Johnson and Pascal, so they had decent days, but. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was kind of a, an air an, a game for a Colts offense that even though they scored 35 points, like they just they didn't always look that good. Yeah. I mean, Brissett, Brissett battled. He really did in this game. But I don't know. For the, I, don't know I, watched, I watched a lot of this game, and I just felt like if the Buccaneers didn't turn this ball over, the 
they would have won by three scores. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't 100%. thrilled with what the Colts did in this would game. Have been a, it would have been an yeah. ass-whooping if you didn't that's give the, up the That's ball. the theme of their season. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you literally should be talking about them in the same breath as the three and four seeds in the NFC. Yeah. They, if they turn it over 25% less. You just you cannot turn over the ball. You cannot like your dad said that it is a that is a quintessential Bruce quote, right? Like you cannot be the nicest team in football that wants to spot the other team fourteen points. Like you can't win games when you turn the ball over that much. It's impossible. You're not like you cannot turn the ball over three times a game and, and be a playoff team. It is it is too hard on your defense long term, and that's that's what this Jameis Winston roller coaster. Has it wasn't been. just Jameis though. I mean, Darre fumbles. Yeah. It's third and eight. You're two yards sure. short of the first down. You fumble on the second drive, and they score. No, you got to hold on to the football. You're like, period. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but it's a game. Yeah. Look, in the, in the past, the Bucks have lost this game. They won it. It was a huge step in the right direction. They are coming around. You're talking about another team in the offseason that adds some pieces. If they can figure some of this out, watch out. Yeah, learning how to win, getting culturally changing the nice shift for Buccaneers and Buccaneers fans. All right, the Atlanta Falcons 40, Carolina Panthers 20. The Carolina Panthers without Ron Rivera uh, is not off to a great start. Uh, this was Atlanta puts up 40 on this team and this like it, it, for interim coach Perry, it was not it was not a good game. Uh, Jake, your takeaways on this one. Yeah, look, I said you know, a lot of times you fire a coordinator, you change quarterbacks, you get a boost for a week. I did not think that was going to happen with Ron Rivera. There's just too many guys in this locker room that have played too hard for him, too close to him, uh, and they didn't. I don't know what has happened. They were a really solid team. And part of this is Atlanta is finally healthy. They threw out healthy enough. They threw out a full complement of offensive weapons, and they looked like it. Uh, but something's going on in Carolina. I don't, I don't know if that defense got over all of a sudden. They're just not the same as they were four or five weeks ago when they were really, really solid. I mean, they were in that NFC wild card contender like you don't want to play them because they're they're really solid, and they just weren't. McCaffrey gets a, has another solid day but doesn't get in the end zone. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a McCaffrey owner, so I'm not that worried because he keeps putting up 25, but the 40-point games are going to – I don't know if he's going to be able to put you over the edge if somebody else lays an egg for you like he was earlier. So I don't know. I mean, the, the Falcons played solid, and if they have their full complement of weapons, to, I, the, it'll be really interesting to see who's coaching them next year, what that defense looks like, and how many pieces they can add. Matt Ryan, the second youngest player in NFL history to 50,000 yards. Yeah. it's it, Listen, Kyle Allen, the the nice stretch at the beginning of the season where he didn't turn the ball over is the big difference here, right? Yeah. This, this yeah. team now – it, what was it? Four interceptions in this game and five sacks or so. I mean, it was yeah, two, two picks, five sacks. Yeah, two picks. Yeah, their offensive there. line has gone to just garbage. Yeah, they. I mean, they, he was they, on. They were, he was yeah. getting hit left and right in this game, and it's that's the big factor. Is Kyle Allen for a while did not turn the ball over and put them in good positions. That hasn't been the case over the last few weeks, Jamie. Yeah, look, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, your every week starters both have decent enough games here. I mean, again, McCaffrey a decent game is twenty something points at this point. Like that's, yeah. that's how high yeah. the bar is for him. Uh, Ian Thomas is one that's interesting here. He had five for 57 and a touchdown. He filled in pretty admirably last year when Greg Olson was hurt. If Olson misses more time with that concussion after that scary hit last week, he's someone that is, you know, in that borderline top 15 tight end category for you going forward. Um, on the Falcons side, good to see Calvin Ridley with another big game. He's been good. Julio Jones had okay game. Good to see him on the field. Hooper struggled a little bit in his first start back, but I'm not I'm not running away from him. I mean, odds are if you you had him, you didn't have one of these other bigger options, so you've been waiting for him to come back. I know it's a tough matchup in San Francisco next week, but you're still probably playing him. And the Carolina, 
Carolina struggled against fantasy running backs and allowed Devontae Freeman and Brian Hill both to have decent games and both to get in the end zone in this one. But, I mean, again, going forward, I mean, next week is going to be tough. I mean, I think Calvin Ridley's probably – and I get – I mean, it's Ridley, Hooper, and Jones are probably the only Falcons you're going to consider starting next week. Uh, I think I'm a Matt Ryan owner, and I'm going to have to look at my waiver wire because I don't think I want to start him in San Francisco. How, how bad did I get hit in the mouth in this one, Jamie? One of my one of my fantasy teams is really good to be in the semifinals next week. I had Mike Evans, T.Y. Hilton, Ridley's now banged up. Devontae Parker had stepped in and was playing phenomenal. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to the semifinals. Luckily, man, my bench is still okay with Debo Samuel and some other guys. But it's and that's a tough break. That's a tough break. It's like all those in one. It's like, ugh. Yeah, keep an eye on that Calvin Ridley abdominal pain. Yeah, that's weird yeah. thing that we heard. Yeah, so yeah, that's that just another. Funny. I mean, it's it's that time of year, man. That's the why the waiver wire has been so. Once, like I said, one thing I learned playing Doctor Roto in the finals in our league last year, he beat me with a bunch of dudes that were like backups and practice squad guys that he picked up three weeks before. It's usually what happens when I've been trying to build year. that just in case. Yeah, but you can only build so much when you take four guys like that off your team. Yeah, they're, they're, that's just an unlucky streak for you. All right, the Minnesota Vikings take care of the Detroit Lions 20-7. to Obviously, we're paying close attention to Dalvin Cook in this game, who still played and had, I believe, believe a, a decent amount of carries, 18 carries, 62 yards. At least it wasn't a huge game for Dalvin Cook, but he still got a lot of carries, which was good, and it, it, it probably did enough for you in the fantasy postseason. Uh, Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Uh, obviously, Minnesota continues to roll and, and gets it done in the division against Detroit. Hit this one on the head usage-wise. I remember saying that Dalvin Cook would be about 20 touches. Yeah. Total. He got 20 exactly. Madison about 15. He got 16. Uh, look, they didn't – I mean, this game, the final score of 20-7 to doesn't indicate like the the – Vikings came all the way off the gas pedal yeah, in the second they half were, of this game. Yep. Uh, they were coasting at that point, and you were starting to worry if they were going to cover or not, which they barely did in that 12.5-point spread that we talked about uh, on the show Friday. But, look, you're not, Cook going in without a injury designation was good. Him getting in the end zone, he looked fine. I think he's someone that, you know, maybe they'll give Madison 10% more work than they were planning on giving him over the next couple of weeks, but I don't think this is going to be uh, – I don't think the touches will be even this close going forward unless Cook gets hurt again. Who do they have? They have Green Bay this week? Uh, no, Chicago has Chicago. Green Bay. Yeah, Green so Bay they, this let week. me look it up. They have. I think they, they might have them next they, week. But I mean, they're Chargers. They're probably. He's probably going to have to play a lot through three quarters. Yeah. So I, I think I that was the whole part this week was like, we'll give Madison as much as possible because hopefully we're up and we can rest him some. It's exactly yeah, what right. we, we, we previewed. Yeah, so Cook Cook's going to be a true top five running back again this week. I'm not I'm not worried about him at all. Good to see get Diggs have a good game again. You never know when it's going to be. Uh, I was a little surprised Thielen didn't play, but it, be, it became obvious over the weekend that he wasn't. But he's I mean he's really serious about the he's not going to come back if he's not 100. percent And I can't blame him considering he tried to come back too soon and really hurt himself worse. Nobody else had a big game. I mean, Cousins completed a pass to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different receivers in this yeah, game. Yeah, it was very interesting. And the only player with more than three catches was Stephon Diggs, a 6 for 92. And on Detroit, God, they got one late in the end zone. Yeah. He's still the only guy that you feel comfortable starting. Scarborough is going to be continue to get you if you just need six, seven, eight points. Uh, Scarborough is playing the Bucks this week, dude. I know, but they'll give him 20 carries at two and a half yards a carry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's. I'm not playing him, but no. if you're in a super deep league and you just need like six guaranteed points, he could probably do that. But you have better options elsewhere. Should yeah. Jake, your takeaways. 
I mean, the Vikings got it done. They did what they were supposed to do, and they got Cook rest. He came out of it healthy. That was my biggest takeaway was, was that what we're going to see? And it's exactly what we saw with Madison and him splitting carries. Look, and I didn't, if something happens to Cook, we talked about last week, Madison looks exactly the same. I don't think I've ever seen a backup look that much like the starter that they literally fill in, hair included. If you just change the jersey number out, there's not a huge drop off there. And he had a really solid day as well. So it was uh, the Vikings kept rolling. They did it in the division like they needed to do. Uh, the other game you guys were, I, I believe, Jamie, it might have been both of you were really, really right on, was the Chargers just dismantling this. Uh, this was Jack- Jake's, Jake's like, Jake. lock of the decade or whatever. Yeah, just dismantling <laughs> this Jacksonville Jaguars team, 45 to 10. Philip Rivers celebrated his 38th birthday by talking smack from the sideline. It was, uh, it, well, he was talking smack all over the place. He really just carved up this Jacksonville team, as I said, 45-10 final score. Two teams that will not sniff the postseason, but Jake, what are your takeaways, uh, if any, from a fantasy perspective? Uh, Eckler was huge. Melvin Gordon, really solid again. Uh, it, it's, I mean, look, I got lucky picking the, the right bolts week. This team is uber talented, and they were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, I love Doug Marone. I'm going to start this off by saying I love Doug Marone. I think he's a hell of a coach. A lot of respect for him. He's going to be gone. They're going to be looking for And I don't know if Tom Coughlin's going to be gone too or not. It's going to be Ashad Khan, what they do in Jacksonville is going to be really interesting. They looked god-awful. That's a team. Look at the them versus the Redskins and the Dolphins and who's playing hard for what's going on. They're not. It was it was bad. This was an absolute beatdown from the jump. To me, when, I, when you guys said – the Chargers minus three, I was like, I'm taking that one. I ain't had a lock in a, in a month. That's easy. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. But this was an absolute beatdown across the country, the West Coast team, the East Coast, about as far as you can go, and just to completely crush the team they play. Yeah, and here's a crazy stat that came out after the game. The Jags are the, the only team since 1987 to lose five straight games by 17 or more points. Yikes. That's bad. That is not good. Not good. No. Uh, Leonard Fournette did not have a good game here either. Uh, not so, just he should have put him, he should have brought a better performance. DJ Chark looked good, but left this game. He's been spotted in a walking boot, so now now you're starting to worry about that. Might be a multi week injury possibly. So someone to kind of keep an eye on going forward if you are a DJ Chark owner because he's been in literally every week start since about the week five of the season. So. Keep an eye on that. Eckler had a big game, as expected, that both those guys, Eckler and Gordon. Gordon had a bigger day. Um, Derek Watt vultured a touchdown, his, what would have been Gordon's second touchdown of the game. So he could have had an even bigger performance. Keenan Allen had a pretty good game. Mike Williams' touchdown drought is over. He finally. Big one, after too. After 10 last what year. A catch. Awesome catch over a two for 63 to touchdown. Finally got one. Uh, you know, it, it's his season. He'll be a guy that I, I'm going to spend some time on in the offseason evaluating because. If he would have gotten – like he had 10 touchdowns last year. If he would have gotten six this year, I think we'd be talking about Mike Williams in a completely different fashion right yeah, now. Yeah, and he's, and he's a tough dude too. He's played through a lot of injuries this season. Um, and this season overall, it's been a, it's been a downgrade for Phillip Rivers, right? This was a big game for him, but we've seen him have some really tough stretches throughout the season. So a, a guy to pay attention to, but I was happy for him. Like you could tell, like that was a kind of getting the monkey off the back that he hadn't. And what a catch, what a catch. And we got a tie rod sighting. Yeah. And we had a tie rod touchdown. <laughs> oh, we had a tie rod sighting. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers took care of the Arizona Cardinals 23 to 17. That defense forced Kyler Murray to throw three interceptions. They, they've been surging. They've been playing really well. And, as somebody who lives in Arizona, I knew it was going to be bad, 
but it was worse than I expected with the amount of Steelers fans that were in there. They had a couple of times on red zone where they went to a crowd shot with the terrible towels. And I had a couple of friends that were at the game that said, we not we know when the Bears come to town, when the Packers come to town, even the Vikings, you know, when the when the Steelers have come, like it's usually, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30. They were like, it was like 80, 20. Like they're like it was like you couldn't find Cardinals fans yesterday, and this was bad. It was a bad look. You saw a lot of crowd shots. They were going to owner Michael Bidwell, just looking absolutely miserable throughout this game. Uh, as as much as we've talked about the Cardinals as being for a stretch, a team that we were interested in, that that we were watching, we had a little bit of faith in. Now two games in a row at home, take two losses. I don't know what to think about this team and this coaching staff moving forward, Jake. Yeah, look, I mean, I saw some of the stuff I, I thought I was going to see coming out of the bye, but it looked terrible. With all three running backs in the game, and they were trying to do all this fancy stuff. But it's it, yes, not the defense I thought I was going to see it against. Yeah. It, it didn't work. It looked god-awful. Kyler Murray keeps getting all this credit for his lack of turnovers. I said going into this game, it was three weeks in a row, he threw a pick six that they dropped. He threw three in this game, not three pick sixes, but three picks. Could have been more. He misses a lot of open receivers. He's fun. The ball comes out of his hand. He slings it. He's not as fast as everybody gives him credit for. He's really quick. But he can't get the edge most of the time against good defenses. They don't. They have a lack of weapons. And their offensive line is playing decent, but he takes a ton of sacks. And I heard during the broadcast, most of them are five- and six-yard sacks, so it's not that bad. He takes more 14-, 15-yard sacks than I've ever seen. Yeah. Where he exactly. tries to run around a Canton and falls. I don't, I don't I don't know that I'm as high on him as I was. Uh, he misses some open guys. I, yeah, he's a rookie, and i got to remember that. He's played a ton of snaps at this point. He's playing a really good defense. I mean, I said the, the Steelers' defense was going was gonna to win this game. And the thing that really pisses me off is as soon as I want to start rooting for the Cardinals and I'm going to buy in, they lay this big of an egg, and then you see an 80-20 fan base split that we didn't see for five years. No. That This place changed. And it sucks that it's gone all the way back and reverted back to what it is now that the excitement level is this low. And that, that pisses me off and it's hard to deal with. Yeah, look, the reality is whether people want to say it or not, and, and the broadcasters of this game certainly didn't want to say it, but Kyler Murray's regressed over the last seven weeks. Yes, he has. It doesn't mean that – I'm not overly concerned it's going to happen. He's a rookie. He's playing with a bad offensive line, and there's a rookie head coach, and there's a lot of things that are going into it, and, I, and you expect him to hit a wall at some point. He's going to put up giant numbers, but, yeah, you're, you're right, he has. But if you – yeah, I mean, if you're watching him play, he is not does not look as good in the last two months or so – as did earlier in the season. And again, he has a chance to fix that next year and he has a chance to fix that down the stretch. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to portend, you know, terrible things long-term. It's just something that needs to be noted because all I hear all the time from the local media and all I hear all the time, a lot of times from the announcers of this game that are national announcers is that how great Kyler Murray's playing right now. And it's just not what's happening. Uh, it's not what my eyes are telling me. So, uh, well, an interesting, a, a little inside information that later this week there will be a piece on the draftnetwork.com on, and I believe the headline will read the regression of Kyler Murray. Okay, I have, good. I have Jordan Reed who played quarterback in college, uh, plays high school, is a high school football coach and evaluates. He's a great evaluator of quarterback play and loves Kyler Murray. Uh, but he, he put in our Slack channel this morning. He said, man, I'm having a tough time because he's Team Kyler, and he's like, he has not looked great, and he took a long time. He said on the film over the weekend, and there's some things and some tendencies that he's not liking that he's seeing. So a little behind the scenes that you're going to see that. I can't wait to read that one. That should be good. 
Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. At this point, Christian Kirk's the only Cardinal you're considering playing uh, as a wide receiver three. He had eight for 85 in this game. On the Pittsburgh side next week, the only player, if he returns on playing, is James Conner uh, against the Bills on Sunday Night Football, which should be an unbelievably excellent game. Yeah, I I'm excited. You, there's hopeful that Juju will be back for this game, but, I mean, right now with the quarterback situation and that defense, I don't think you could trust him as a top 30 receiver. I know Deontay Johnson had a good game. We have to mention the 8 for 16 a touchdown and looked really good, really pumped up. But, I, I mean, I'm not trusting him in the fantasy playoffs in, in a wide receiver three spot. Benny Snell hit a wall in this game. Like, he got the work and just didn't do anything with it. So, uh, if James Conner returns, he's the guy that needs to be in your lineup next week. But otherwise, you're probably passing on the Steelers, except for their defense, of course. All right. The next game we got to get into, the last one of the Sunday slate, was the Tennessee Titans taking care of the Oakland Raiders, 42-21. to The Tennessee Titans are like the least talked about team, I think, in the NFL that's really had it going. And Jamie was high on bringing up the Ryan Tannehill statistics, and it kept going. I mean, it's just, it's honestly, it is impressive to see what this team has done. They had a guy in that locker room in Marcus Mariota that was really well liked, very well liked in the community. And it took a lot to get them to move on from that, from him and move to Ryan Tannehill. And what an off-season move now. It looks like that they went and got Ryan Tannehill because this team would not be in this position without him. And what we've talked about, Dak losing money and Jake said Ryan Tannehill making money. Good for you, Ryan Tannehill, because he has put this team in a playoff position. And they look good and they going on the road and putting up 42 points is impressive, Jake. Oh, it damn sure is. He's 6-1 and one as a starter. I mean, he's really 5-2 and because the, the referee stole one from the Bucks. Uh, but he's he's six and one on in the record books. Another really good performance. Look, the Raiders hung in there as long as they could. This was twenty one twenty one at one point. Uh, but the Titans are just playing really well. I mean, they're run. Derrick Henry is running it. They're play action passing it. They've, those receivers that I've said, if they had quarterback play, they've got some stars. They're showing up. Uh, Johnu Smith touchdown. He showed back up. I mean, they're doing a really nice job. This defense is not great, but they're very unique. They get really exotic at times, and they're making big plays, and they're winning games. They're playing very complimentary football. Yeah, the biggest difference between this Titans offense last year and this year, or even going into last season and now, is that the last year – I mean, yes, obviously Tennessee is the huge, huge change because you're now getting really solid quarterback, quarterback play. play versus well, well, well below average quarterback play that you were getting with Marcus Mariota who would take a sack every 16 seconds. But – Derrick Henry has really matured as a runner in the last calendar year, going back to last year from the midseason, like where I was always very critical of him going into last season because the it was always the the idea of Derrick Henry was always better than the player. Mm-hmm. And then at, at some point in the middle of the season, it clicked, and he became the player that everybody thought his potential could live up to. And he has been really, really good for them. They are balanced on offense. They hang in there. I mean, they, they were going shot for shot with Oakland early in that game. Like Jake said, it was 21-21, and every bit of it looked like a, a game that deserved to be tied. And then Tennessee started to pull away late. Ten Hill with another, I think he had like 27 fantasy points here. Uh, I, I don't know when I became the president of the Ryan Tannehill fan club in the fantasy community, <laughs> but that's that's it's going to be me again for what feels like the, the 800th week in the row and on Sports Illustrated telling you, you should pick up Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. I don't understand why he's still available in two-thirds of leagues. I don't understand. I started um, him over Josh Allen this week, and I was real yeah, happy about I, it. I, I wish I would have had, he was a, I had him as a top-ten quarterback this week. I'm probably going to have him as a top-ten quarterback again this coming week. Like, he's been really good. He's been consistent. Like We haven't he's seen a lot. Yeah, he's been really good. So. Until he gives you a reason not to, not to play him, you play him. Now, the concern with the Titans, if you're just from a football standpoint, is they have a really, really brutal stretch that we alluded to. 
to end the year. They have the Texans, they have the Saints, and then the Texans again. Now, they should take care of business against the Texans, but those are divisional games against another good team. Those are always close, but they're going to have to work to get into the postseason here. But they also get the division leader twice, so it's up to you now. Yeah, that's actually a really – I can't believe that that's how the schedule ends up, that they're playing they're playing them twice like that. There's a couple of divisions like that, that it's, it's a couple of teams play twice. I mean, a lot of them play twice throughout the year in like four weeks, but that's that's crazy. And to yeah, your point on, on Derrick Henry, he's a big dude that needs a head of steam. And when you're facing nine-man boxes and a safety on the line of scrimmage, it's hard to do. When your quarterback's playing this well, and you have those kind of receivers on the outside and the tight end is playing really well. You're not facing eight and nine-man boxes and a safety on the line of scrimmage anymore. That big body can get ahead of steam. And he definitely has matured and turned into a different player. But you can't defense them the same way that they've done for last year and early this season when Mariota was playing. When you're completely loading the box to stop Derrick Henry, now you're just kind of like pick your poison. You're going to try to stop the run, but Tanny has been killing you. So you're yeah. not you're not playing them the, the same way that they you were. But you're exactly right. If he has matured as a player, something switched. I think the confidence level has gone up, but he has the confidence that much in his team and that his quarterback's got his back. And fighting through injury. I mean, he was banged up in this game. And you yeah. saw it there were a couple times where they actually they showed it. The, the broadcast crew did a really good job of showing him kind of not hitting that second gear when he got to the second level. And, you know, taking a, it was, again, on a 22-yard run that probably would have been a 30-yard run. And, and Mike Vrabel grabbing him and like, hey, are you all right? And I'm kind of having a conversation about the injury. Yeah. Because he kind of throttled it down instead of doing the normal Derrick Henry, put your head down and carry five guys around the field. But – uh, he's been amazing. Uh, AJ Brown with another big game here. Somebody that, again, that needs to be in lineup consideration again this week. Mm-hmm. The guy's in that wide receiver three spot. And for the Raiders, look, Josh Jacobs looked like he was going to, I mean, looked devastated when he was told by Mike Mack he wasn't going to play in this game. They I caught know. him pregame. Like, looked like, looked like he was told somebody like killed his puppy. I know. Like, that's the look he had on his face. So if he can go next week, he'll be out there and he'll have a big game and he's got a good matchup. But we'll see what happens there. DeAndre Washington okay, you know, as a fill-in there. Uh, Darren Waller had a good game there, and then Tyrod Williams had his league-mandated three catches. <laughs> league-mandated three catches. I swear, he is the Chris Davis of football. It is Like, for so those of you funny. that are Oakland fans in the baseball side of things, of the, the 247, it's just Tyrod Williams' three catches. It's so good. He'll find his way back to three catches every week. It is so good. One of my favorite shticks that we've had throughout this uh, podcast season uh, for, for the 2019 NFL season. All right, guys, we are going to end the podcast with a Monday Night Football preview. We've got a divisional matchup between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Listen, the Philadelphia Eagles are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Jamie last told me that the weather was going to absolutely suck in this game, uh, and I don't think things have changed. Listen, we talked about the NFC East and the fact that one of the two teams, one of Philadelphia and Dallas, is going to end up hosting a playoff game. And it will be a travesty that either one of those teams gets to do that because they are going to back their way into a divisional championship when neither team deserves to be in the postseason, especially when there are a hell of a lot of good teams in the NFC that are going to have more wins than them that will be on the outside looking in. So this is a game, Philadelphia, Chicago did you a favor. They took care of Dallas on Thursday night. Go win this. You bet. You better 
take care of this game. Otherwise, I think Benjamin Solak and the entire city of Philadelphia are going to be on on a watch because I'm going to be terrified for what happens if they if they don't win this football game. Luckily, it's going to be nice raining all night, so they probably won't burn the whole city down. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to actually take the Giants plus nine and a half in this game. Not because they're good, not because they deserve it, not because they're going to win this game, but because I think bad weather equalizes things a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to keep – look, Philadelphia doesn't pull away from anybody anymore. Like I don't think no. they should be getting this much credit. Uh, but I think in a game like that, that's going to be grinded out, run the football, which I don't think Philadelphia doesn't want to do, especially without Jordan Howard. No, It's not the way they want to play. I think they're going to force them a little bit out of their game. I think there's going to be – I think they're going to be more than a few turnovers on both sides of the ball in this matchup. The Eagles should win. I'm going to pick them to win. But uh, I like the Giants plus nine and a half here. Uh, I'm curious to see if Saquon Barkley gets more of those dump-off passes that we talked about when we first found out that Eli Manning was going to start this game. Uh, Evan Ingram looks like he's not going to play. I believe that was the ruling that he's, he's they ruled him out on Friday that he's not going to end up playing in this game. So I want to kind of see Golden Tate will play. It, it's going to be tough because if the weather's as bad as I expect, I, I'm not going to be able to equally evaluate the passing game. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that history tells us that Sterling Shepard is a much worse fantasy option on the outside than he is in the slot throughout his career. And that's, that's held true in the very small sample size so far this year. So I want to see those things. And from the Eagles, I want to see a victory from you. I want to see some reason and to con- pretend and a- that the NFC East deserves to be in the postseason. And not only a victory, I want to see a convincing victory. Like, go go win- cover the spread. Go cover the spread. That is my challenge to this Philadelphia team. Like, I want to see this team at home play hard and go really win a game. And I know it doesn't matter and there's no points for how much you beat a team like in college football that it matters. And I know it's just a W, but I'm just, if I'm, if I'm the head coach of the team, I'm just like, you need to kick their ass. This is a bad football team that you're playing and you need to prove otherwise. So Jake, I know you have Carson Wentz in a couple of leagues you know, what is your confidence level in Carson with some bad weather and and, and moving forward? Because I know I, you might be having to to start him this week. I did uh, in both leagues. Uh, the weather doesn't make me feel great, but knowing James Betcher, knowing what I've seen from this Giants defense, they're good enough to slow down one or the other. And I think in this kind of weather, they're going to put it on Carson Wentz. They're going to. I don't think the Eagles are going to run it great, but that's going to. They're going to put it on Wentz and and Ertz. And I, I think they both have solid nights. I think they have enough to get it done. But I agree with Jamie. I'm not going to pick them to cover. I got 28-21 Eagles is what I wrote down originally. I don't know if the weather was better. I didn't. I was going back and forth on this like nostalgia of of Eli having like a swan song. Does he go toe for toe in something fun? I can't imagine that happens, and I damn sure can't imagine having a bad weather. Uh, but I think Saquon has a solid night. I think the Giants slow down the run, but they give up some passing yards, regardless if it's raining. Carson Wentz a big dude with big hands. Uh, they've got big, solid receivers that you could throw some back shoulders to, those kind of things. Um, I think they got enough to get done, but I think it's a pretty close game. I think the, the weather is an equalizer, and I don't think they cover nine and a half. That's a big number. Philadelphia, we challenged you to go take care of it, but the reality is I am so hopeful that on Wednesday on our podcast, we are sitting here joking about the fact that Eli Manning did have a swan song and there's some, some ridiculousness happens in this game. And guess what? Weather makes things really weird. So if, so we'll see, uh, I expect Philadelphia to take care of business though tonight, Jake, any, uh, I'll let you in with any parting thoughts on, on today's pod. Yeah. Like I took one in the chin. Uh, I got, I got to hit the waiver wire. I got to do some, uh, some recalculating for this week. 
uh, in the semifinals. Even my, my TDN team that's been so dominant has a couple injuries now that I'm a little bit worried about. So um, there's, there's going to be some studying. There's going to be some praying for some waiver wire guys that are still sitting around. i got to look at some matchups. Uh, fun week of watching football, man. I'm so glad I said this is a, a must go to a bar and have multiple TVs because it was so much fun watching the early games the other day and a great week of picking games. I mean, Jamie and I had – it was a good week. I mean, 13-1 and one, uh, for pickums right now, and a really good week against the spread for a lot of them too going into the nice game. So, I, you know, kudos to, uh, to us for that because it was – it was a tough couple weeks coming into this. We went back under 500 for the for the last couple weeks, so it was nice to have a really good week picking games. It was, and let's keep on the injury theme for my last thoughts here. I'm going to give you a list of players that were injured that were of significant fantasy note last week. Uh, Mike Evans, Rashad Penny, DJ Chark, Patrick Mahomes, Darius Geis, Mark Andrews, Jameis Winston, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Parker, Jared Cook, Ryan Griffin. Um, nice. And then guys that were injured before those games, like Josh Jacobs, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram, Daniel Jones. That's a lot of guys, and a lot. And the majority of that list are guys that were every week starters for a lot of you out there. And a lot. I of think I own sixty percent of the names that you just mentioned between two leagues. They're so in the semifinals of both of them. Keep all those guys in mind, and particularly one early on in Mark Andrews, because they have a quick turnaround on Thursday night where the Ravens get to beat the Jets by fifty points. So yeah. uh, we need. To, so just kind of keep an eye on whether or not he gets to play. Uh, my parting thoughts is page like Jay, like Jamie said, go go make sure you're paying attention to some of these injury issues and and start reading the practice reports and look at what the local beat reporters are saying. So so you are prepared because you're gonna have to make a move if you don't have something uh, available to you in in your on your bench. That's and you're probably not you're probably not gonna be able to get guys that are gonna replace the Mike Evans of the world. It's just they they don't exist on the on the waiver wire or probably on your bench. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arian. Jamie, do you think I can get by with Cortland Sutton and Debo Samuel? I think you can. Okay. I, I think I, I might be okay in that one. I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but it, no, it's, it's, you it's can not get, ideal. Yeah, because at that point you're dealing with like a you know wide receiver two and a low-end wide receiver three. I but, do have Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey in that league, so I, I feel yeah, okay. That'll, that'll that'll I'm getting, I, well, let's see. I mean, That should do. It should, it should do. It should do. We'll see. He traded for – Right, you traded for McCaffrey. Yeah, but that league's still pretty. I did. I traded. I traded Julio. That was that big trade early in the year for uh, end up with McCaffrey. But I'd like to talk to whoever traded Christian McCaffrey. I'd like to have a conversation with that person. Uh, I trade. I traded Josh Jacobs, Julio Jones, and Miles Sanders for Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Cooks, and Mike Evans. So yes, I absolutely no, came out on the time. But, I, would, I would really like to talk to the person that made that trade. The league let it go through as well. The league is full of idiots. It was, a, it was in like week three after McCaffrey got crushed by the Bucks and had seven, seven fantasy points. So it would have been even. Be- it would have been even better if Brandon Cooks was still in the league. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on uh, social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Yeah, you guys can get that humor all the time by following Jamie on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.